New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Great to be back again. Now, I should thank our awesome uh, show partners who make NZ Tech Podcast possible. Focus, Two Degrees, Vodafone, Spark, HP, Gorilla Technology, and our uh, newest show partners, Cyclone Computers and Aruba. Uh, so great to have that uh, support. And let's jump in. Two great guests. We've got Mark Duncan joining us from Cyclone Computer uh, and Andrew Fox from Aruba. Great to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mark, maybe we can start with you, a, a quick intro on where you fit into this big wide world wow. of, of tech here in New Zealand. Okay. Uh, well, you know, so I'm, uh, I'm one of the service delivery managers for Cyclone Computers. And so Cycling Computers are basically a, a nationwide IT provider. Uh, we do a lot of procurement and IT support in that around the country. So, yeah, so we kind of work across a whole range of markets based out of uh, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch and Dunedin. And, uh, yeah, we've sort of been in the business for over 25 years, New Zealand owned. So, uh, yeah, pretty good, actually. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And Andrew, how about you? Well, I, I, uh, I'm lucky enough to lead an amazing team uh, here at Aruba uh, in New Zealand. Um, Aruba is the part of Hewlett Packard Enterprise that looks after what we call the Intelligent Edge or the network. And I've been in the job for around about six years, but been in IT for many, many more than that. But uh, having a ball in such a high growth and intense industry, I think it's, it's fun. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And yeah, six years—that's quite a stint. So you you must be uh, must be pretty happy with the progress that uh, that Aruba have been, you know, making over the years. Because um, I mean, Aruba's a, a really really big player. Where do you sit in the in the market? So number two globally, and uh, yeah, very very high growth sort of. And part of it is 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 the way the world is changing, and the way um, you know we as consumers are changing the way we use the network, but. Um, you know, growing at many times the market, which is great because it means we're taking share from our competitors, which is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And we've got uh, we've got a key. We've had, I remember we we you know we've had a little bit of a chat over the years around Kiwis doing doing well in Silicon Valley and and around the world. And on the New Zealand Business Podcast, well, I don't know how many years ago it was, but uh, caught up with David David Hughes in uh, in San Francisco to yep. hear about uh, his his little uh, little startup called Silver Peak. Not so little, I suppose, no, because so uh, yep. Aruba acquired them for one point something billion Correct, New yeah. Zealand dollars. And is it what's his role now? He's got quite a key. key he has role. got a key role now. So he's basically our CTO. Yeah. Um, he has another title which I momentarily can't remember, but ultimately yeah. he is. You know, he's the guy in charge of the offerings that we take to market. So really exciting, and that was an amazing acquisition. The incredible tech, which. I guess our challenge now is to weave that tech into everything that we do, so that that work is underway. But uh, yeah, it's great to have a Kiwi, you know, in in one of the top seats. I think it's really yeah. exciting. Yeah, well, I, th I think uh, you know David Hughes is, is very very capable, and mm. Uh, mm. Uh, you know, great. To, it's always great to see those Kiwis that are doing well on the global global stage. Yep. And obviously, yeah, reflection of of that skill set that he's landed in such a <laughs> Indeed. Key, Indeed. key role. It's great. Well, lots to talk about. There's always a lot going on in the in the tech world, and uh, the same this week as uh, a couple of local things I wanted to uh, wanted to delve into. And some of these are, dis are discussions that have yeah probably been going on over the last last couple of weeks. But I think it's it's good for us to maybe a little bit of a, a tech angle on them uh, too, because yep they've been covered in the mainstream media. But what I tend to find is it can be be very shallow. I did an interview over the weekend for One News, talking about uh, this new mandate from the European Union to do with USB C and oh, being yeah. forced onto Apple. But yeah, I think they they were here in this in the studio here for maybe half an hour or so and you know, bits and pieces and by the time you end up with sort of a two or three minute story and you know across all the different people sort of speaking everyone gets about you know 15 seconds or 30 <laughs> seconds or yeah. something so we might we might go a little bit deeper on on some of these things but national have been you know as an opposition uh, party does sort of you know waving their flag and saying hey we're going to do this and and that to uh, to make New Zealand a uh, a better place when we get into sort of uh, government. I think uh, they're probably being being rather presumptuous based on 
current polling or whatever it is. But they're talking about really controlling social media and other aspects of where gangs can put their logo and, you know, promote themselves and and so on. But then there's been some pushback and saying, well, we've you know, we've, we've got a bill of rights here oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, there's, I guess, a, a level of free speech. How do you how do you balance that? And what you know, what would it actually do? And is it actually possible to stop, say, you know, gang insignia from appearing in, in social media? Isn't that, isn't that like playing whack-a-mole? I mean, you stop it in one place, it'll just pop up in, in, in another. There's very little you could actually do to control it, I think, because the internet is the internet. It's very difficult to control it. So yeah, you block it. You block it in one place because how could you block it? You could block it through an algorithm that's kind of recognizing and saying, yep. okay, yep. that's that's illegal to to shoot it show. And then there are all sorts of ways that people you know get around that. So as you say, that sort of whack a mole yeah. of trying to do it. You've got that aspect, you know, which which we've seen with other content where it's being reported by users who oh I saw that that shouldn't be on there. And there's a level of reporting. Yep. How good that stuff plays out. Technically, it's possible. It's really difficult. But I, I wonder whether, as you said before, whether you should. It'd be an interesting debate to have. But it's They would slow. need to get the social media companies on board, though, wouldn't they, to really sort of try and lock that down? I guess, yeah, there's a, there's a level, like we saw with the um, the Christchurch call, there's mm. a level whereby yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, putting it out there yep. that you will get you know, tech firms, social media firms who will will maybe come on board and they say, yeah, that's really bad. But depending on what it is and whether it's got a, a global relevance, you probably get to a point where you have to bring legislation into play to bring about the change. Like uh, the European Union saying we're going to force USB-C yeah. as the standard for charging your phones and a whole range of other gadgets in future. Yeah. So in order to do that, the way they're going to get that across the line is just by saying, no, we're mandating it, that's that's the rule. And if you want to play and, here, and you have to you go play with by it. our rules. Yeah. Now, we were talking before the show started about these RAM rates that are going mm. on. Yeah. That is something that, from what I'm picking, is has been coming through social media. No doubt there are people that are talking and making the decisions to do this stuff from just you know, normal everyday conversations. A level here where technology has facilitated and is enabling uh, this and encouraging folks to get a little bit of infamy or what have you by uh, by getting involved. There's been a bit of a history. Uh, It's been a bit of a history of people sort of showboating what they're doing and then displaying to others, which then motivates others to sort of compete. You know, it's fighting on the playground. or Obviously, technology is not making them do it, but it's promoting it and therefore enabling others to do it. You could blame technology, but I don't think technology's at fault. They're just providing a mechanism for them to actually broadcast it, aren't they? If you're after notoriety. Yes. Um, you know, exactly. if you're after proving that you can do this thing, unfortunately it makes it really easy for the next 10, 1,500 kids, because most of them are kids, to see this and think. Um, like tagging. Yes. Right? But the next level mm-hmm. of it, and with the, the tech enablement. Now, of course, tagging in you know, hard to get to places, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's, you can see why that might get some attention. How did that, that sort of, you know, level that we see. Yeah. But, you know, I guess this is that much kind of more extreme that yeah. it that sort of, you know, plays into uh, some some of those similar... Uh, well, it's sort, it's, it's a reaching things, a wider it? audience, isn't it? Yeah. Much faster. Yeah. There's also real victims in, I mean... I'm sure there's real victims with tagging, but you know now we're talking people's livelihoods and These are the sort of and next, safety. Next, next it's, level. it's completely next yeah. level. Absolutely. And when it keeps keeps happening, mm. right? Um, so, mm. is there a, is there a technological solution on these things, or is it just we say this is a societal issue that's too big? You know, does tech play a part in solve in solving? There's these always things? a solution. It's just whether socially people want to accept it. And look at guns. You know, in America, they have a big problem. But there's a reasonably large body of people who don't want to be controlled with guns. It needs to be socially taken on board and people to support it. Mm. Um, Once you get that, then change can happen. So, yes, there is a solution, but do we all want it? Maybe not. 
it's not easy, is it though? Because there's no, a lot of people hard. to keep happy mm. with all sorts yeah. of oh, different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, viewpoints and feelings. And Absolutely. tech can do this, but legislation can do this, but but actually bringing it together, these things are a, it's right. an absolute minefield. Start a list of objectionable content. That list is going to get pretty big, pretty fast, <laughs> and and that then becomes unwieldy and unmanageable. Um, as I mean, as I, I'm in favour of free speech. I don't think we should be squashing. Well, I think anything that causes harm is a problem. But and that's that's but that's that, the challenge, isn't that, it? We that, need to find that's what's, the problem. What's, yeah, what's, that, what's yeah. that line? Yeah. And uh, and again, you won't pl- you won't please everyone on these fronts. No, right? no, no. And that's the, yeah. and that's the that's the tricky part socially. What you how far do you go? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think we've we've got quite a few more interesting years ahead when it comes to sure throwing, you know, governments and, and media and, yeah. you know, whoever, throwing tantrums at social media companies and, and tech companies because it is really easy to blame them, but actually finding the solution is, yep. I think, probably increasingly complex. So... Well, Dude, but, I don't yeah. know if it's increasingly complex. Probably more that we're just seeing so we're seeing these it. things used yeah. in in, yeah. in different ways. I, th- uh, I think there probably needs to be a guide that most social media social media companies work towards. But of course, that will be different between different countries. But yeah, I do think they do have a role to play. Mm. Now, police as a country, a lot of money goes into into uh, obviously policing mm. as, as as happens around the world, but we heard that uh, our police have been hit from a um, perspective of not looking after their uh, uh, their data so well, gun license information oh. going out oh. there, you know, amongst other uh, documents that were stolen from, you know, what was the uh, old Auckland police Central station. Yeah. Police yeah. Station. Yeah, this one I, th- I felt sort of really disappointed and, and let down that we aren't able to protect information, you know, that that is stored by government entities like, you know, police. And we've had other ones in the in the past. Mm. But now that we're, you know, we're we're talking about weapons uh, that that people might uh, might own for, you know, whatever, whether they're part of a, I don't know, shooting club or what have you, gun owners. That um, firearms licensing information—that's sort of something that you should be able to trust. That uh, police would lock down, uh, would lock down pretty, they, pretty they, well. So it's it's pretty disappointing. They left it in a bin or something, didn't they? In a destruction bin, they just left it behind, and mm. then people broke in and found it. So it is pretty, pretty slack, really. Um, I mean, it just shows that for every technological solution, there's a human problem waiting to sort of yeah. circumvent that solution. Yeah. Uh, ha- having you know, worked with New Zealand Police, you know, as a vendor in the past, they take security, you know, holistically, incredibly seriously, they as they should. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and sometimes that makes it really hard to get stuff done. But I guess that's a good thing. And then, you know, there's something like this that's really surprising and a little bit disappointing, I agree. But, you can, you know, you've still got the human that can do silly things. Yeah, you know? and I think that that's, that's probably always going to be such an important aspect of security. Have you got the culture piece right? Because you know you hear different things around how you know, different entities work, and it's oh they lock it down, and you know these things are, yeah. are, are, are so hard. But you know do you lock certain things down too much to the point where it, it makes it hard for people to to work. It's always sort of finding that right balance, isn't it, to yeah, it to get a good outcome. And the the I guess the larger an organisation is, easier sometimes for certain things to fall through the craps through the uh, cracks was what I was trying to say there, <laughs> and that ownership aspect. Who takes ownership of this? Because you, you know, you've got you know, probably you know a chief information security officer, yeah. and you've got these different roles. But how does that sort of you know filter down to the everyday? And how do you get everybody on board to and, understand and, that? And importance? The, the sad truth is, and we see this a lot talking to customers. If you make it too hard to get stuff done because of security, they will just do it another way and that yes. way is not going to follow your policy. Suddenly there's an offline copy of this data or they're sending stuff to their home email addresses because it's easier to print and deal with it over there. You know, there's a thousand ways they can circumvent the requirements, but, you know, so it's a really tough balance about how do you get the posture right and the culture right, but don't make it so over the top that people feel compelled to do silly things. And I think there's... I mean, human error happens. 
we all have make mistakes. Absolutely. And I see there's just a mistake that's happened. You know, something got left behind at the move that they didn't know about. I don't think the police are negligent in what they do. I think they actually have a pretty hard role to play. You know, something slipped through. It's probably not appropriate with the type of documents they found, but they're definitely taking control of it. So good on them. But yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. These things, you know, uh, are, are pretty challenging to get uh, perfection. In fact, we will never get perfection, no. right? It's, no. We're heading, heading in the right, uh, the right direction and, um, you know, hopefully that things are, are at an appropriate sort of level uh, as, to, as to where they, they should be. But it's, uh, yeah, it won't ever be perfect. Now, looking at the world of browsers, something that we use every day, uh, it's a couple of things that have been in the in the media. Um, Internet Explorer, yep. instead, it's it's days of, oh, it's days are done. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's quite a quite a relief, got to say. It's another thing that uh, you know doesn't have to be sort of supported on how devices. How many years was that? And, how, how many networks. years was it around for? Over a decade. Too oh. too long, I think. That it, I, I mean, I think Internet Explorer was. Uh, what brought about sort of the antitrust issues for mm-hmm. for Microsoft going back into right. the into the nineties, right? Yes. So we, we 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 go back a a, a really really long years, long yeah. way. They did an interesting um, you know an interesting thing as as dominant companies you know ten, tended oh, to yeah. do yeah and, yeah uh, made life pretty pretty difficult for uh, for Netscape there. But yeah, that that era is uh, is is behind us. Era. Yep. Now, but Firefox has done something interesting. They've rolled out this new uh, total cookie protection to uh, to users. As far as I'm aware, this is you know not something that we've had announced by anyone else. Is having been at the, exactly the same. I mean, we've got a range of the sort of smaller browsers yep. that that you know do some some more unique things from a security standpoint. But with this cookie protection, basically. Um, you put a silo between the cookies that are stored by one website and another. So you know, normally yeah. if you're storing these cookies, and you know, Google can can get access and then insert the the adverts and and so on. But with uh, with this cookie protection, the uh, you know a particular website you visit. So you visit NZ Tech Podcast. You've got silo protection on. If our cookies trying to pl- you know we're trying to plant cookies there that'll help ads follow you around the internet. Well, no, it's actually walled off. Um, so I think this is kind of fascinating because we're, we're, st- we're going through this time of change as far as cookies. I mean, I quite like that we get a level of personalization yeah. online. Hmm. Um, probably the thing I, that is actually the most annoying, and this is getting some attention as well, is the, the EU forcing these alerts on. You know, you go to a website and there's an EU pop-up about, about cookies. About yeah. cookies. <laughs> it's like, well... No, that's not really how I'd like to. I don't want to waste my time having to click go away, and it's not sort of standardised, so it's different across a whole lot of sites. Uh, it seems like the UK government, now that they're not part of the EU, are, yep. are working on an alternative um, approach. Um, do you have any thoughts on is this well, sort of good? Or I thought it's a great or? idea. I'm surprised yeah. it hasn't been thought of long ago. I mean, we're all aware of, you know, you talk, you have a conversation or something, and then all of a sudden you start seeing all these ads and all these things being customised to you, and you just wonder. But it's getting quite, quite scary how they track you, and obviously cookies is a part of that. So being able to silo them off, I think that's great. Because you, when you go to a website, it is nice to sort of see some customization. I agree. But, you know, you don't always want to know that it's being transferred elsewhere or being tracked elsewhere. Uh, and there's still probably quite a bit of big data being tracked up there in the sky. So I, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I think it's a balance because, you know, my my job is to help customers build better customer experience and, and these things, when used appropriately, are a big part of that. And I agree with you. I, I don't want the hurdle to jump every time I come into the website, but I don't like the idea of my data being shopped around to everybody. So the, the trick will be getting that balance right. You know, how, how can – and I haven't looked at the product yet, but it's like how can you – tie it down in such a way that it does give you a better experience on the sites that you choose to use it on, um, but not on the others, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, Sony and Honda. Oh. Is, that a, <laughs> is this a natural fit here? We've got Sony <laughs> and Honda coming together, a joint venture, to create an, a new electric car company, which, as we know from looking at Tesla and, and looking at what others are doing, electric, you know, when you... When automakers move into electric cars, they are moving 
much deeper into into technology, not just the the charging side of it, but all of the other yeah. expectations that are there. Because Tesla's set this this bar yeah, that your bar your too. vehicle is connected to an app. Uh, it's all you know always on with the internet. Uh, and you know a whole range of other things, which we you know which I'm sure will will keep evolving. There's more and more of an expectation, which I think the audio auto industry varies in terms of how they deliver on, in terms of actually that your that the tech's going to keep yeah. updating and and yep. and have a, a longer lifespan than what it has traditionally. You get an entertainment system, it's like oh no, you bought that two years ago, so the the latest stuff's not going to work. We kind of starting to expect a lot more. Does this make sense for for Honda and Sony to come together? I mean, I look at it and think, okay, Honda, well, you know, well known and well respected sort of you know car brand, mm. but I just certainly don't think of them as a as an electric vehicle company. Sony, well, yep, good on the you know the consumer electronics. Audio. They've showed off uh, at at consumer electronics shop CES you know, an electric vehicle, but it was that head scratching of can they pull it off? Mm. So the idea of the two brands coming together, I can I can see something there, but I'm not I'm not sure. Are they are they yeah. quick enough to the game? Can can they get there? We saw Sony and Ericsson come together on, on smartphones, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, they they weren't super successful on that front. Well both those companies are Goliaths, aren't they, in Japan as far as what they do. But an EV is obviously a very much mainstream, going mainstream now, isn't it? And it's a, it's a matter of time. I mean, we're not really, well, EV cars, a lot of manufacturers are making EV cars hand over fist. Um, 2025 is when this is supposed to kind of, we'll actually see the cars. Flip, so we still the other way. Out. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's still quite expensive to buy an EV car and there's still is challenges around battery and everything else, uh, battery power and infrastructure. And uh, I don't know, I, I would say good on them. Same game as Microsoft and Apple in terms of you know that technology. I don't know. It's uh, you know. certainly got more of a technology pedigree than yes. say Tesla did when they started. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, who knows? Maybe coupled with Honda's automaking expertise, we could see something special. But we'll um, yeah. we'll have to wait, as you say, till twenty twenty five and see what uh, we'll we'll know before then. There's no there's, there's no doubt. Yeah. There's a lot of technology in Japan. A lot of clever people over there. So they just need to try and make it make it work and get somewhere. Uh, because it could happen. It does seem to me as though we will see a level of consolidation, at, you know, with with vehicles going going forward. Yeah. Either that you get a kind of ecosystem type thing where, and you know, we've seen this with um, the Pulse Polestar, which seem to be doing quite well in the New Zealand market, where they're relying you know, heavily on Google and, and right. Android's technology in the vehicle to be able to keep up to date, to offer access to apps and make it you know very easy for there to be new apps that can come into the into the vehicle. Yep. Yep. Uh, so maybe we end up with this kind of Apple Android you know like thing. And Apple's recent uh, most recent announcement sounds like they would. Quite happily take over the the screens and yes. uh, yeah. in your vehicle. So and I mean, this stuff's not not necessarily easy, and you need a level of a level of scale. Maybe it's healthy, you know. So if you look at someone like a Tesla, who want to do the whole thing from soup to nuts themselves to be all things to all people, that's really hard. Mm. Um, mm. Actually, admitting that actually our strengths as a company is X, Y, and Z, and we're going to partner with these guys over here who do these other things really well. And you know, it's very similar to HPE into Aruba. You know, here's what we do really well. We're going to do that, and we're going to integrate with these guys over here who are the legends. You know, thinking security vendors and firewall vendors and people like that. That's really healthy because not only do you now not have to maintain all of that yourself, they're the recognised industry experts. In this case, Sony or or, or Honda. Um, you know, so we're going to get some you know, positive momentum from that relationship. I think it's really clever. But yeah, time will tell. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I think it's it's a it's a really exciting time when it comes to oh, yeah. when it comes to you know mobility and transport and and vehicles. There's you know there's so much ahead that we can kind of see uh, you know little bits and pieces of, but, and obviously the the autonomous side. Now Ford have uh, have net been talking. Um, their chief executive is talking about potentially a hundred percent of EV sales going online. So that would put them mm. in an area that you would look at as inspired by Tesla, Tesla yeah. or 
Dell, if you look back a bit further, who were the first to sort of, you know, bring that into the computer market with, you know, buy direct and so on. Um, I'm not quite sure, how, you know, ultimately how it would play out as far mm. as their, you know, dealer and service networks and so on. Would that be their there's only a, there's method a level of sales? Of disruption. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm I'm curious because they do need to look after and and keep their existing networks working. I mean, there, there's there's going to be a window of time here, right? Yeah. And it's and it's probably not much more than a decade, and possibly a lot less, where we will see the majority of new vehicles being sold, you know, being electric vehicles, and then we get to a point where you know, vehicles with an internal combustion engine are, uh, you know, are a, are a sort of a, a unique thing, right? There's already some manufacturers that have got more than half their models EV, I think, already. There's already some manufacturers. So, I mean, if they're going to be selling direct, what do the car resellers do in terms of, you know, that salesman? And I mean, there's probably always going to be used car uh, sales going on, but but brand new, I mean, are you just going to get in your browser and just order it and it turns up two days later? It's There's no doubt there's a generational shift going on mm. in the way we purchase things, yeah. regardless of the industry you work in. While I would jump online and buy a Samsung TV <laughs> online, you know, for yep. 1500 bucks, I'm mm. not sure yet that I would jump <laughs> online sight unseen. Yep. You know, actually doing the transaction online, I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. But, I yep. mean... Where do you get the look, feel, smell, test drive? You know, they're still going to have to figure out how to offer that, and Tesla does that quite cleverly. But all the heavy lifting from a purchase perspective is done online. Maybe it's going to be like that. Um, but I don't think you can completely do away with it. You need, uh, to have, you need to have a showroom and you need to have an ability to service yes. whatever your product yeah. is. Although, interestingly, Tesla are really moving to mobile service in a really big way, and I didn't realize quite how much that they're able to to do this until I, I started thinking about it. I had a visit here in the car park for what did I need done there's a the, the uh, model 3 I've got has a conventional 12 volt car yeah. battery in it and they've sort of moved away from from that with the newer ones um, but I'd heard of people having their journeys disrupted because the you know the battery would would fail and and so on. And I needed some new windscreen wipers. So pretty simple stuff. Mm-hmm. And so oh, let's just try through the app. That's what other people have said they're doing. Yep. And logged it in. They they turn up here in the car park, sorted all out, done and dusted, and then they just go on to the onto the next but thing. There's a and lot it was great. There's awesome. a lot less in an electric car than in a traditional combustion engine. That's the big thing, I isn't mean, it? Yeah. Like when I went to Tesla's and I was talking to them, they said there's about two hundred components in the engine, whereas there's, there's like well over a thousand in a normal combustion engine, so there's a lot more can go wrong. And you don't open up the motor and probably service, no, service it no, anyway, right? No. It's just like, no. oh, you you know, you got an electric motor there, and there's a problem. Well, yeah. You know, you, you, you most of these things are just going to get swapped out, yeah. and those motors don't, aren't going to fail like a combustion no. engine. I, I said, what do you service? You know, every year, and they went, well, maybe a little bit of greasing of the wheel, but that was about it. <laughs> Pretty much nothing. Yeah, I said sometimes joke. Oh, I had to get had to get some service done on the, the Tesla. Or he had to uh, top up the uh, windscreen wiper fluid <laughs> again. Uh, you know, it's like you know, you know, software update every now and again. That's about the best you get, really. You've you've got you've got tires and you know windscreen wipers and yeah, yeah but it, it, it's a lot simpler. And so that will be fascinating to see how the how the whole industry. Pivots because there, there's going to have to be a you know a big change. Yeah, I mean yeah. right right now, having bought a car not too long ago, I would like to drive the car to see if it's the right fit because I, buying a car is still a bit of a personal thing, isn't it? I mean a TV, TVs are not too different from one to the other these days, but but yeah, a car still is quite a personal thing. Well, we're going to have a, a whole lot of years ahead of us of. Of big change and and huge disruption in in, in that space and uh, yeah Ford is as as speaking what's probably reasonably obvious if you have a close close look I th- yeah. I, I think so um, yeah and that will v- probably vary according to the different markets in terms of you know what's what's going to work and and so uh, you know consumers and yeah. and, yeah. and, and New Zealand versus US and 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 so on so. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be really exciting.
whether it will bring down vehicle prices. I, th- I mean, I think at the moment we've got all sorts of issues and challenges with supply chain yeah. and, and, and batteries and, you know, prices are going up. The Model Y just, you know, launched in New Zealand from Tesla in the last, you know, couple of weeks you could order. Um, the price now between the Model 3 and the Model Y in this market, something like twelve or $1,300. Oh, okay. It's virtually the same price, whereas in the US there was, I think, a you know 5K plus US difference. So uh, I think they've been... I don't know. They 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 want to establish the Model Y into the New Zealand market because yep. they're they're at that price point where if they go any higher, they're going to miss out on the uh, the vehicle rebate. So they've uh, they've just got those prices sitting uh, sitting very close together. If it's anything like what we've heard in Australia, uh, there'll be a lot of people ordering ordering these. And, Looks quite um, exciting. Yeah. yeah. I wonder um, what the time delay is from ordering to receiving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, initially, actually, um, quicker to order the Model Y than the Model right. the Model Three. Really? So, Stop somewhere. Uh, so yeah. they're they're obviously very keen to get to get yeah. those uh, moving and out and pro- maybe to increase that momentum, right? Because they've basically only had one product to sell in the New Zealand market now for you know well over well over a year. Must be a couple yeah. of years. So the Model S and the Model X aren't available right-hand drive at the moment. Yep. Uh, certainly, certainly not in this market. So uh, yeah, at some point, it's like. You're just seeing all the same cars out there, and we see a lot of. I see a lot of Model Threes. Yeah, awful lot. I think they do need to step into the other products. Yeah, kind of, kind of interesting that those prices have come so so close together. Interesting. Now, this one caught my attention. Um, Cloudflare uh, announced they've mitigated what they're calling the largest distributed denial of service attack in in history. Twenty six million requests per per second. So crazy. uh, you know, an insane amount of traffic Crazy. hitting hitting one of their customers' websites, and then the bit that kind of blew my mind was they said, "Oh yeah, and this is for um, someone that was using their free plan." <laughs> <laughs> like, we, I mean, we've seen d- d- you know DDoS attacks in New Zealand yes. hitting the NZX yep. And, yep. and varying yep. others, and I mean, boy, it seems like a pretty good advert for. Uh, uh, for for Cloudflare saying, look, we'll we'll do we this can for, for, we can for anyone. We've yeah. got um, you know such an incredible uh, ability. It's a massive attack, though. It's a massive coordination, you know, to do that. So there must be some clever people out there. Yeah, sadly, it's it's easier than you think. If you look at how many compromised devices there are on the internet, oh, yeah. you know, we're now talking about fifty five billion connected devices by the end of this year. You know, a large chunk of those are home devices, unpatched, unupdated, you know, the fertile ground. Uh, one of the good things is this kind of puts the spotlight on the whole, you know, what are we doing around cybersecurity? Let's mm. not sweep it under the carpet. Let's talk about how, how all these devices got compromised so and are now controlled by these guys. But yeah. Yeah. if you look yeah. at the, the maths of bandwidth, that's, yes, it's massive, but actually, you know, you don't need a million devices to do that. <laughs> yeah, it was so, interest, yeah. interesting. In this case, they were saying that the um, the traffic was or- originating from um, cloud services, cloud service providers was their terminology mm. as opposed yep. to residential right. uh, traditional connections where yeah. you've got those IoT and all sorts of you know random things that aren't mm. usually secured secured so well, uh, you know, in people's it's, residential situations. It's an interesting, yeah, how how they came to that conclusion. Yeah. Very interesting because, I mean, obviously we all know that. A lot of home machines are poorly protected. But then to go and do it from virtual servers, you would assume there'd be a reasonably high level of compliance around those servers, wouldn't you? So that's that's weird. Apparently yeah, not. well, they've got there's a, they've got a blog post online. So uh, for those that We're are that are curious yeah. to, <laughs> to learn a little bit more, there's yeah. uh, uh, there, there's a you know, fair fair bit more uh, detail there. Now we're running running a little bit out of time on these um, topics, so we'll just scoot through quite quickly. Um, Snapchat, mm-hmm. uh, they're testing the Snapchat Plus Plus paid mm. subscription. So that was interesting to to see because we're so used to uh, you know social networks being being the place that you know monetize us, and they're mostly free. I guess we've seen you know Twitter uh, with their their paid option, but there hasn't been too much in this space. So. It seems to be a slight, you know, turn going on here that they, that they, you know, are recognising. Yeah. Well, 
we've got a massive customer base, mm. even if it's only a small percentage that, that are that are, that are yeah. happy to spend a little bit of money. Then you know they've got if they, the features are are good enough, then um, then they'll they'll pull in some customers and. They've got a, a no adverts uh, as as part of it, yep. uh, location spoofing, and that's supposedly meant to be a fun thing to trick your friends with, and so on. Not sure about that. Um, uh, seeing stories without, you know, the person who's um, uh, sharing those stories knowing that you've seen them, yeah. which is is kind covert, of not it? not what you <laughs> you know you expect of how the how these platforms work. So no. uh, you know, potentially creating some. Some confusion there, so yeah, and interesting. Uh, but if you know, if we've got that here, you've got to imagine, you know, maybe maybe Facebook's going to have uh, have something. Of course, they've already sort of monetized to a degree with the you know commercial version with their their, their workplace. At the um, end of the day, pe- people if people like it, they'll they'll pay for it. But probably a lot of the people on Snapchat aren't probably going to pay for it. I don't know. It's, mm, mm. it's an interesting uh, number of features. Don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think we'll. Uh, yeah, we'll have to have to see Watch how uh, space. Yeah. how how that plays out. But it does it does uh, seem as if it if it generates a, a reasonable amount of revenue. Yeah. And of course, you know, Facebook have have had a you know, huge dive in their uh, their market cap, their their share price, for for varying reasons. So right. uh, may, maybe that will that will nudge them down uh, down this track. And we do see these these things that we get access to for free. That you know. Sometimes do some reasonably dodgy stuff in order to mm. exist and be successful. So you know, maybe actually, if we had some options to pay, and they there wouldn't was, have they to were, do the dodgy they, thing. Yeah, they mm. didn't have to be, maybe. you know, quite so quite so dodgy. And and that's without um, talking about TikTok, which of course has been in the media for um, Chinese government getting access to data and 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 so on. So there's um, it's it's really a whole field that's. Uh, Fraught with with issues, and it doesn't seem to be getting uh, to be getting any better at all. So no. maybe we all just need to turn off social media. Well, and, yeah, and so maybe social media just needs to be you know completely banned. <laughs> uh, That's going back to the first topic. Again. <laughs> I mean, just, so, just throw that one out. Right. Yeah. Some people might pay for privacy. I can imagine that, especially no ads. I think you know we'd all like no ads, but yeah. I wonder how far it'll go. I'd be interested to see. Mm. Now, a couple of gadgets that have arrived in um, recently. Uh, Microsoft's new Surface Laptop Go uh, 2. So that's um, literally just here in the in the last sort of 24 hours or, or so. Um, so we'll chat about that on another episode uh, once I had a chance to to have a little bit of a look. But I... Th- I- I wonder whether I'm finally starting to uh, starting to get it for these these devices. <laughs> Laptop Go product is as a, a consumer targeted or education targeted even sort of device. So it's got some of the the niceties and the sort of quality feel that you expect from a product that you know being a premium high end uh, product, the Surface, but it tops out at eight gigs of RAM and two fifty six SSD. That's not really going to probably suit a whole lot of business type yeah, usage uh, and fine. and you know broader things. So that was a, when I looked at that, it's like okay, yep, that's clear where that sits. Yes, it's at the higher price points, but yeah, it looks like a pretty nice you know premium product. Oh no, oh no, I've set it off and and now Windows is talking to us. Will I be able to shut down uh, Windows? Let's see if I can uh, if I can turn that off. Look at that. Well sure. done. Our yep. mics are such that they might not have picked that up, but if you didn't hear that, uh, Windows was trying to convince us to uh, walk through setting it up um, verbally. And then the other thing we've got, which uh, launches tomorrow, is the Chromecast with Google TV. So mm. that's sort of bringing together Google TV, and we've seen those uh, Freeview sticks in yep. the market and varying things running Android TV in the New Zealand market for, for a little while. And so that's coming in $110, gives you the Chromecast-type capabilities that you know, a lot of people have had anyway plugged yep. into their TV, and then the ability to run your your Netflix and Spotify and Prime and Disney Plus 
you know, even the Apple TV type stuff on there. So, uh, and no doubt being being Google TV, uh, you know, the ability to run some of those local TV apps for on on demand. Yep. So I'll, I'll be giving that one a bit of a bit of a go. Um, 4K, and, 4K, um, yeah. 60 frames a second, and so on. It's not so, a bad upgrade, really. Um, yeah, it seems like a really good good bang for buck. Good to see Google paying a little bit of attention to the New Zealand market because <laughs> if I've got this right. This has been out in the US for in the direction of two years. Oh, really? Uh, so we, we, we have wow. had a little bit of a problem with big tech companies that aren't consistently global. But, you know, Google, I think, you know, is continuing to pay attention to the New Zealand market. We are a small market. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's Apple that I think generally gets the win on that front of being the most consistent uh, in terms of their launches. Yeah. And, you know, Microsoft and Google and and others can be a little bit uh, variable. And, of course, this is a product that is, you know, does need to be somewhat specific to a local market yeah. to get it to work work well. But um, pat on the back to, to Google for launching nice locally. And yeah. I think it's a reasonable price point, you yeah, know, yeah, pretty reasonable sure. price point for what you get. Now, kind of keen to, uh, since we've got you know, both of you here as uh, you know, experts in, in your fields, I thought, hey, we need to, we need to delve in and, and talk a little bit about what's happening in the, in the world of networks. I don't know, maybe we can, we can start with you, sure. Andrew, in terms of you know, what's, what's changed over the last, uh, the last few, few years. You get to see all sorts of yeah, you know, perspectives yeah. on, on the network and you know, as with everything, you know, technologically, this is not an area that's been sitting still, probably from two perspectives, yep. one from the sort of research and development and computing power and that side yep. in terms of how that's getting better and the, the software that goes with it, artificial intelligence, and then on the other side, the, the, the threats and the, you know, cyber security yep. uh, risks. So, yeah, what, what sure. are your I mean, big takes? Networks have changed because the way that we use them has changed. You know, yeah. The way that we behave yeah. as users yep. is much different now than it was a few years ago. So it, it's less and less, uh, although there's still an element of this, it's less and less around just connecting, you know, a device to the network. Yep. Um, you can do that with a, you know, $50 home router. Much more now around around security, around user experience, around AI. You know, we, we finally reached, and we've been looking at this for years and talking about it, but finally reached the point where we have enough devices online, you know, in, in our case, this sort of 120,000 customers, you know, 20 million odd devices online in a, you know, a big pool of telemetry data that can finally give you the ability to have a network that will drive itself or make decisions will help you make decisions faster than a dumb human could you know that's really exciting to me I talk to CIOs all day who are overworked you know underpaid under resourced you know yep. <laughs> no budget all yep. that kind of stuff yep hey guys you know finally there's some things you can do that can save some time and you know make things happen easier for you you know that that's one area where networks have completely changed in the last few years the other way I mean, there's lots of ways, but the other way, as attackers and the methods of attacking mature, the way that we protect ourselves has changed a lot. You know, we've seen some sorry stories in the paper about companies that have not quite got this right. And, you know, they've paid from a brand protection perspective, they've paid, you know, from loss of business and all that kind of stuff. I guess it's really pleasing to see now that, you know, security is an integral part and the network is... It's not the only answer, you know, cybersecurity is a really big subject and I can't talk to all of it, but the network is a beautiful first step, right? If, if, if this device which is compromised can't even connect to the network, then that's a really good start. And then we can worry about how to, how to, how to fix that up. So Yeah, yeah de definitely. And I, I like yeah. that point around the, the sort of self-driving network. And I remember actually David Hughes talk, talking about this probably when I caught up with him in... Um, in the, in the valley, and you know this this was what he was talking about. It was very much a future thing, in the same way it, it is with with our Teslas and so on. The you know the self driving yeah. the autonomous vehicle, but now we're we're a lot further down that down that track to be able to you know direct and use the artificial intelligence to actually help control and manage and uh, alert uh, and, yeah. and, and and block things and so on. Right? These things are these things are complex. You know, yeah. networks are complex yeah. beasts. You know, if, if you can 
use AI to get 95% certain what the root cause of a particular problem is, yep. that's way better than having yeah. uh, a team like Cyclone, who if you're lucky enough to have them looking after your network, or your own guys who are spending days, hours, days, weeks chasing some dodgy problem that only appears between 2 and 3 a.m. on a Tuesday you know, morning. Uh, that's what AI is for, you know, the, the needle in the haystack analogy. Um, we could find the needle maybe, but having the AI say to you, I reckon this is a needle. Yeah. Um, the next step is I found a needle, I dealt with it, click this button if you want to. That's where we're headed, you know, for the network to be able to make a tuning change or change a parameter or change the, the you know, how loud the radio is talking on a particular band and to make those changes and then – um, improve the user experience. You'd have to agree, though, that if you go back 10 years, we've got a lot more devices, Wi-Fi devices especially, on the network. Yep. Looking at a network, we go, well, each person will have roughly three IP addresses or three devices on the network. Yeah. Well, you know, with IoT and all the you know wearable mm-hmm. devices and everything else, that's exponentialed out. And, of course, so what are we creating? We're creating more devices, more density, so we need... Yeah, and it's hard to troubleshoot everything. So AI and automation is obviously to really aid providing a more secure and managed network, I suppose. And that's probably where, you know, with Aruba and that, it's it's fantastic how things are moving. And the 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 other area that I'm really excited about is is we're starting to see you know new you know Wi-Fi six E for example as a, a new um, standard that that around the world is slowly rolling out. It does require each government, of course, to agree because what it does is opens up a new chunk of the Wi-Fi spectrum. So in the six gigahertz range, I'm not going to go any more technical than that, but suffice to say that it's around about four times the spectrum than we currently have today. So if you think about the crowded airwaves we had around our cities and our homes and all this kind of stuff, a lot of the reason for poor experience is how much stuff there is talking and screaming. You know, having four times the space... Uh, is a beautiful thing, and we're talking the ability to talk at multi, you know, over the gigabit per second on a mobile device. That's pretty cool. Getting those really, really you know, fast yeah, speeds. Yeah, yeah. So where where are we at in in New Zealand uh, in terms of spectrum? Because the you know the two point four gigahertz, yep. which you know of course that was just the standard just Wi-Fi everything for, is, for, yep. for many yep. years, but everything else was kind of in that Correct. in yep. that in that space. Your cordless phones, which yeah, I think we've we've most mostly got rid of uh, uh, these days. Then your five gigahertz came through, very very helpful. But yep. yeah, what's uh, what's happening? So the, on that the, the government is, has sought. Um, you know, feedback from vendors and they're considering that at the moment. Australia have just ratified their decision, so the, the spectrum is now open. So it won't be long, I'm sure. There are client devices already being sold here, and in fact, we're selling access points that are Wi Fi 6E capable. It is software disabled at the moment until such time as the government makes the decision, but it's really cool to know as soon as that happens. We can do a software update and, and fix it. It's largely a matter of time, though, isn't it, really? It absolutely is yeah. a matter of time. Um, and this is a great thing for, for density, for latency, yeah. you know, and for performance. It really is a game changer. I think the analogy that someone used, you know, when we talked about Wi-Fi 6, which was the current generation, mm. Um, mm. you know, we talked about uh, instead of having a four-lane highway um, we're going to have an eight-lane highway, you know, and more cars can flow down. It's a good analogy, right? And everyone can get the highway analogy. Um, the best analogy I've heard for Wi-Fi 6E is this is like just creating another 16-lane highway with no cars on it because it's an empty spectrum at the moment. That means it's uncluttered. Everything's going to work beautifully. So I'm really excited to see what our customers can be doing with that spectrum once it and, a lot. and and in those terminologies, a bit more autobahn like in that you can go uh, <laughs> fast as you like, nice, <laughs> yeah. nice, nice and fast. Uh, Mark, from yep. from the perspective of of cycling computers and and you know you obviously have this ongoing uh, you know partnership yeah. with a, with yeah. Aruba. Yeah. Any stories you can share in terms of how you know how you you've been using some of the the newer technologies and and uh, you know actually putting it yep. putting it out there and uh, you know how's that stuff played well, out well yeah i mean it, it, we've had quite good success over the past couple of years i mean with some big installations you know sort of over the 100 grand going up to well, probably near a million dollars cuz you know with uh, the combination of aruba central and and some of the technology that comes with with that a lot of big institutions are really looking to try and get a much more performing network. You know, we did uh, uh, 
uh, a tertiary student accommodation about a year and a half ago. The rollout was, you know, we were doing 235 APs in a 17-storey building. I think it's about 17 storeys. 235 and access points. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of kit. To, 701 uh, to rooms. Um, <laughs> we got it, yeah, we kind of got it in, I think it was, um, I think in January 2021. They were still building the building, which I don't recommend when you've got tradies painting and everything else around you. It's, it's not a good thing to do. But... But, um, you know, we deployed everything off-site. You know, we built it off-site, had it all ready because we wanted to go in. There was a lot of right, people so you could walking do all, around. you could do all that testing and yep. then just drop yep. it in. Yeah, well, we had everything named and labelled. We had it all deployed off-site and then we just literally just walked in and plugged it in and, oh, there it's online and off we went. So the deployment of it was, was just simple. Um, nice to be able to... Start from scratch, design yeah, exactly what yeah, you need. Yeah, I guess no, you're not replacing anything else if it's a, if no, it's a whole new uh, not, building, which not is in that not situation. rather nice. No, not in that situation. And, you know, and, and you know, the troubleshooting of it has actually been pretty good as we've kind of got used to it and moved further and further into Aruba Central and et cetera. We've been able to identify, you know, you know problems remotely before we have to rush in there. And, you know, because the student accommodation, we, we get quite a lot of calls and saying, oh, my device is not working. And, of course... We can see, you know, oh, there's, there's 10 people already connected to the access point, so it must be working. And, you know, or well, then we see sometimes that person is actually connected, but they're obviously not for one thing or another. Something, and we, Something's going on. Yeah, well, we work with AUT with that, you know, so we, we manage it all for them as a service, and uh, it goes swimmingly well. The only, the only bummer with the whole exercise is that with COVID lockdown, there hasn't been the numbers to really drive it very hard. So um, I, would sh- I would assume come next year that will change. Um, but yeah, we're quite proud of how it's run so far and how it's worked. I mean, it was, I have to say, in terms of a large installation, it went really swimmingly well. So how would that compare to, you know, maybe you know, something that was rolled out, you know, let's say we, we roll back the clock three, four, five years oh. ago in terms of, you know, how, how has that, that technology you well, know, practically improved? Yeah, well, the fact that it gets enrolled into the cloud, you know, with Ruba Central, it, it doesn't matter. You can do it from anywhere. That's the thing about cloud. So you've got that central central management. Yeah, super it, it doesn't matter where you do it, get some rolled and off you go. And that's, I mean, I think we all know the cloud, it's, it's anywhere, anytime, isn't it? I, th- I think if you went back a couple of years, you you wouldn't be able to manage, you know, your wired, your wireless and your WAN, all oh. of that from one single pane of glass. That was kind of hard. A- and, you know, adding on the benefits of all this AI and stuff you get now, that would have been done manually. Gone are the days where you've got network technicians signing in and, Typing commands on the command line or changing configurations of devices, or having to um, VPN into the network bit, to look at the controller. Well, it's a bit sad, but 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 the great news. And actually, you say that, and a lot of customers are like, "Whoa, what do you mean? That's what I do." It's like, no, no, no. You're a you're a clever network person. Your role is now going to be, you know, all around governance and policy and deciding how this network should run. You know, rather than actually. Just let the automation take care of those pieces. Yeah. Your, well, values, in your, your values in yeah. your brain and how this should actually work, right? And yeah. Yeah. actually most most uh, technicians and engineers and customers are pretty good with that. I mean, everything we do now, we look to try and leverage the cloud. And we're always looking for ways that we can, you know, we're getting bigger and bigger things that we deal with. And everything from sort of onboarding, provisioning, right through to even billing, we're constantly looking to try and streamline those things because... You know, we're, we're a reasonable-sized company now nationwide, and so it's very hard for us to keep a handle on everything. And so we're always looking to automation. So, you know, having, you know, like Aruba, it's, it's a no-brainer, really, in terms of all that you know, cloud management and that. Why would you not? The bigger you get, the more automation, the more intelligent things you need to have running in order to make it easier and keep a handle on it. This, you know, this is where just one of the areas where, you know, really has uh, has yeah. been moving and, yeah, the next few years ahead, it's going to keep getting getting better. But, you know, because it wasn't it wasn't that long ago that no. the command line type stuff, that was kind of your your only option for, for setting up. Yep. Uh, Still your a little bit going on. Still and, a little, little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. being able to see these sort of centralised, uh, you know, portals where you can... You know, you get a really good view on on what's happening, how things are connected up, what's yeah. what's working, what's what's yeah. not working, and so on. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a game changer. Helpful. And and here in New Zealand, we've we've been very fast on the uptake of cloud. Mm. We're not precious. We don't feel we need to build this thing ourselves on premise. That's not a great use of time or money. Um, so we've our customers have have bought into the cloud big time, which is exciting. They've also really really got the value of. 
you know, of, of some of the, the harder pieces like zero trust security and, mm. you know, that's a response to what's going on in the world and the amount of people that are, are having a go at them. Good, good, good example of that, you know, if you wound back the clock to what we were just talking about and you wandered into reception of one of our customers and there was a phone sitting there and you unplugged the phone and plugged your laptop in, you know, five years ago, <laughs> your laptop would probably work and get some sort of connection to the network, even if it wasn't immediately obvious one. But, mm. you know, if you're a bad guy, that's a fantastic way to find your way into an organisation. Whereas fast forward to, you know, 2022, you have the ability for the network to, you know, profile and fingerprint your machine, say, well, I don't know what that is, so I'm going to treat it like this. Here's my policy, here's my rules. It yeah, becomes much easier yeah, to control. Absolutely, I'll kick you straight yeah. off the network, yeah. right? Or um, another great example, Paul goes home and surfs some dodgy things between two and three in the morning on the dark web on his laptop, sorry. Um, but, yeah, you know, for that. Catch <laughs> catch, you know, painting a picture there. For but ultimately, the next day, you know, you're taking this Trojan horse back into your organisation and connecting it to the network. Yeah. Five years ago, the, you know, whatever malware you had caught would have just bounced around mm. and, and the IT team would have to chase this around the organisation. Yes, there was a bunch of tools that could help with that, but, you know, we're at the point now where we have a network that can sense that something has happened to this machine. Maybe it's a firewall that sees you trying to head out on some port or something. I, I'm, but the point is we have a network, the ability now for the network to make some changes based on that. I'm going to take Paul off the network. I'm going to label him, change him from the boss to sick. Don't trust this <laughs> Quarantine. It's not Correct. me. It's not me. It's and the device. It's the device. <laughs> and, and I'm going to take away all your access to the network and I'm maybe going to log a ticket in the ServiceNow system you know, so the help desk actually knows when you ring them in a panic, actually, yep, it's expected, we'll sort that out for you, rather than, why can't I connect? You know, so yeah. as we take advantage of these kind of technologies, the, the experience for me as a user gets much, much better. The experience for, you know, the IT team gets much, much better. And, you know, ultimately it's going to help our clients stay off the front page of the paper as they, you know, catch some sort of malware or... I mean, there's a thousand things now that can happen from a cybersecurity perspective. It's very hard to keep control of them. And we need to keep stepping forward, don't we, from a cybersecurity perspective. And there's so much that goes on that we don't necessarily hear about, you know, on that front unless it happened, you know, unless you were directly connected, you know, to it. Uh, There's there's so much going on and, you know, had had, a conversation to to an organisation today and, Ooh, just you know, feeling the pain that they that, that they had been through, and uh, yeah, you you just you know you really feel for those that are that are hit. But you know, we need to make sure we need to help um, them out. that yep. that we're move, moving uh, things forward, and we're we're squashing and reducing uh, those those the one, risks. The one thing that I try to promote these days with customers and internally is that you know the attitude was you go and buy your security, put it in place, and yay, we're done. Security is always changing. The whole point of an attack is to try and get around your defences and technology is always changing really fast. So you do need to choose products that can evolve with you and I think that's something that we sometimes don't always think about. Yeah, that continuous improvement, yeah, I, th- I yeah. think, you know, it's it's key, isn't it? It's, um, I don't know, go back to the Tesla, right? That The product is always improving, so mm. you, you want to be picking... A brand that yep. once you once you're part of that ecosystem, that it's going to keep improving during its lifespan. Now, nothing lasts, you know, forever in terms of the hardware. That, that's your service, um, your software update. <laughs> that piece, that piece needs to keep getting better, needs to be secured, and then you've obviously got to have the the support uh, yeah. alongside it to make sure that things are being new features are being taken advantage of, yeah. things are being you know locked down and yep. and, and catered to. Absolutely. I mean, I, I still come across some people who you know. They have an, an alert about, you know, a virus and they just keep cancelling it, cancelling it, cancelling it. It's like that's where sort of a managed service can come into play and sort of be a bit more proactive on that front. Yeah. I mean, you talked earlier about it being a combination of, you know, tools and process, um, culture and people as well. Yeah. You know, uh, the network's not going to fix the culture and the people piece, but everyone is going to have a network. So you might as well use it as, as I said, that first line of defence. Maybe it's going to make it easier for your people you know, to deal it, or maybe it's going to take away some of the some of the more simple, you know, straightforward brute force things, and you know, leave the team to worry about the really really hard stuff. So it's a good conversation to be having. Yes, uh, yeah, it's important part of the puzzle. 
Oh, that's great. Well, this has been really good. I'm sure there's a lot more uh, we could delve into, so we'll have to do this more. again soon. And, yeah, we will delve into some of these topics a little little bit further, but this has been uh, been really insightful. Great to have you on the show, Mark. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Uh, and, uh, and Andrew. Thank great, you for having us. Great to have you yeah. here uh, for the first time, so it's been, uh, been really good. Um, a huge thank you to, uh, to everyone for listening in. Uh, and, of course, thank you to our show partners, uh, Two Degrees and Vocus. Uh, Vodafone, Spark, HP, uh, Gorilla Technology, and uh, Cyclone and Aruba. Great to uh, great to have you on board and having you. your support. Welcome. Uh, Thanks, thanks for having us. Yes, great. We'll look forward to the next time. Oh yeah. And uh, yep. And folks can uh, track New Zealand Tech Podcast down uh, across the varying social networks. So you know, feel free to uh, uh, if you are mostly listening to the audio show. Remember that sort of that's becoming. Most most often, mostly on a Tuesday afternoon, you can listen in and catch the catch the live stream uh, across uh, whether it's uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. So follow myself or NZ Tech Podcast on those channels to uh, uh, to catch the live streams. Um, in terms of folks that may be interested in finding out a little bit more around Cyclone, what's the website? Is that the best place to, to go and yep. find Cyclone? Yep, cyclone.co.nz. It's you know, the first place. It sort of lists most of the stuff we do, and you can always fill in one of the forms and have someone come back to you and sort of have a chat about what um, you're looking for with your business. Yep. But we are, we are based in all the main centres, um, so we, we do cover all of New Zealand, which is great for us. Nice. And are you tra- what's the best way to, to track you down, Mark? If people want to. Oh, get pro- I'm on the website. You'll see my yeah, picture yeah. on the website. Oh, there you go. Yeah, 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 nice, yeah. Nice. So I'm there. So you can always get me through there. Pretty easy to get hold of me off there. But um, or we've got the phone number. So yeah, yeah I yeah. can be contacted there. Good. And, and www.arubanetworks.com. There you go. Nice and easy. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you on LinkedIn? Or? I'm on LinkedIn uh, at, at RFNZ on Twitter or foxy at hpe.com. So uh, nice and easy. Excellent. Happy to talk to anybody. That's great. That's great. All right. Thanks, everyone. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Cheers, folks. See ya. New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community. Proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.